Good morning, which seems like a strange thing to say at 7.30 on a Wednesday evening. So good morning or good evening. Uh, again, I am Mark Brown. Uh, my wife Sandy and I have been attending Grace Community Church for these last 28 years uh, with our six children. I'll be following up again on a message uh, that I shared on May the 30th. That message comes from Proverbs 3, 1 to 10. And this passage is a teaching of Solomon for his kids. If you missed uh, it, the point of the teaching is that Solomon had was to bring some impactful truth into their lives. In fact, Solomon suggests to his children that these truths will help them prolong their life, bringing them many good, peaceful, and prosperous years. I hope in that message that I got across the importance of us as parents, as adults, or at any age, that we teach. But not only that we teach, but that we learn. Both our teaching and our learning will have that likely result of bringing us a prosperous, peaceful, and long life. And with Solomon as our example, perhaps we uh, can teach those that follow us to enjoy this same likely outcome. The question I posed uh, that day was, who would not want that kind of life? That life, long life, with peace and prosperity. You know, we need to put ourselves into a position to learn. I remember asking my mom, uh, she was maybe 84 or 85, lying on a bed in a long-term care home, not really able to move, and I asked mom, I said, hey, have you got there? Have you finally kind of learned everything you can learn? And she said, Mark, my goodness, of course not. I have so much more to learn. Oh, <laughs> that we would have that kind of an attitude. There's always so much more to learn. You know, I mentioned the last time some of my things that I've remembered in my, over my lifetime, uh, and one of those was uh, asking the old man from that uh, uh, Gold of the Desert Kings from uh, Eagle's Flight. One of the other ones I was thinking out about over the last few weeks was uh, uh, the uh, fifth habit of the seven habits of highly effective people from Stephen Covey's book written many years ago. And that uh, was that we need to seek first to understand and then to be understood. Uh, in both cases, it's about learning. It's about asking the right, right questions. It's about coming alongside the right people. And uh, that was really the first point, I think, that Solomon made. Um, and, uh, you know, I also mentioned uh, last time about the two people who had such great influence in my life, and, and one still does. And the first was my mom and, the, and that passion that she had for God's Word and how that kind of came to me uh, through my mom. And, and then the, uh, the second is my, my wife, Sandy, who for our entire marriage has practiced and, and lived that and modeled <laughs> uh, with a passion that command to love by giving of oneself. So if we remember the teaching we have had from the wise, if we learn from it, apply it, 
and then see the results. We'll be in a much better position to teach the next generation. And then we can all live as Solomon taught uh, that long, prosperous uh, kind of life uh, in peace. So let's get back to the teaching of Solomon, the one that he had for his kids and he wanted them so much to listen. I'm reading again this morning from NIV, Proverbs 3, 1 to 10. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. And here's his teaching. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil and this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Today I wanna to work through this first part of Solomon's teaching to his children. Once again, verses three and four, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So this is the first teaching that Solomon shares with his kids on that road to a long, peaceful and prosperous life. Last time we looked at the likely outcome of putting yourself in the way of good, wise teaching, listening and making a habit of that good teaching, that likely outcome, that long, peaceful, prosperous life. Solomon begins his teaching now in verse three and four and with these words, let love and faithfulness never leave you. All I had to say when I was looking at this is, wow. How, how do we take those two words, love and faithfulness, and condense them into the next few minutes uh, for this teaching? But is this teaching worth it? Solomon suggests that this teaching, these words will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So the question for today, who doesn't want to have a good name in the sight of God, let alone man? Now I'm sure we all wake up every morning and we think, today I'm going to do everything I can to completely destroy my reputation. Not likely. But do we wake up every morning and think, I'm going to, do, going to do everything I can today to build a reputation like Job. A Job-like reputation. Now, why would you say that? Uh, try reading Job 1.8. Now, say in this verse, uh, we've seen Satan confronting God. And God says, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. <laughs> There's a guy 
who had a good name in the sight of God and favor. Uh, I want to stop here in the, in the middle of this and give a little bit of an advertisement. This is an advertisement for Job. Uh, when I first started uh, reading and sharing with my mom my thoughts, I was actually in the book of Job, and I said, Mom, this is so boring. And she said, and I, this is the advertisement, she said, you know what, go to Job chapter 29 and read 29, 30, and 31. It's a bit of an autobiography on Job. If you have a look at it sometime, you'll see what I mean uh, to have a Job-like reputation. So Solomon is suggesting with these words, these instructions, that there is a way to do just that. So let's, let's talk about love. I thought I'd check the dictionary to see what love means, and I, I thought that I would find the things that I was looking for, and I wasn't really disappointed. You know, it says that love is an intense feeling. Love is a great interest. Love is to feel deep affection. Love is to enjoy something very much. Then I said, okay, you know, Google, give me the best definition for love. And it said, a feeling of strong or constant affection for a person. Attraction that includes sexual desire. Now, I thought that I would get to that a whole lot sooner in this world. And it goes on to say, the strong affection felt by people who have a romantic relationship. And then I went on and I read all kinds of definitions and thoughts from writers and celebrities, and boy, what a mix mash of emotions. Now, many of you are probably already well ahead of me. If I wanted a definition of love, why didn't I simply open my Bible and start there? Well, the best definition of love comes from the creator of the concept. John records Jesus' words in John 15, 12, and 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And here is Jesus' definition. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John shared, uh, Pastor John shared about love from 1 Corinthians 13. And that's a great read if you want to learn more about the detail on love. So love is not an intense feeling, although it may include that. It is not enjoying something very much or an attraction that includes sexual desire, although all of us use the word love in those ways many times during the week. I personally love hockey. I love watching it. I love playing it. I use those words. Uh, however, love, according to Jesus, is laying down one's life for one's friends. Now, if you're thinking we get off easy simply by loving our friends, hold on a second. Let's read what Matthew records and Jesus' words there, where he suggests that loving your friends is great. But in his counterculture, in Jesus' counterculture, we need to love our enemies with that same kind of love. And he goes on to say, and we need to pray for those that persecute us. And of course, we know that Jesus was not just a man of great words. He was a man of his word. And he did exactly as he commands us to do. He laid down his life on the cross for you and I. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record Jesus' words 
that we also need to take up our cross and follow him. I'd love to stop right now and tell a few stories about the martyrs. Martyrs who took those words literally and took up their cross, followed Jesus, and in that way gave up their lives. They're sad but wonderful stories. Uh, one I heard recently, my sister-in-law sent uh, to us, was about David and Sve Flood, as told by their daughter, Aggie Hurst. Look it up, I'm not gonna share it, but there are so many stories uh, of God's goodness in, uh, in those situations. You know, it even began uh, very early in the early church in Acts 7 as Stephen is recorded as the first to give his life in following Jesus. Now, Jesus isn't suggesting that we all go to our death, but he is commanding us to sacrifice. Sacrifice what we want that we can meet the needs of others. What does that really mean? Let's take a look at what Solomon said, how he worded it. He suggests that we bind love around our neck, write it on the tablet of our heart, wear love like a necklace for everyone to see. Jesus said that we should let our light shine, that others may see our love and like us glorify our Father in heaven. Of course, this is not a love worn proudly. Uh, we'll get to that next time. Solomon also says to engrave love on our heart. So if all kindness and all mercy comes from the heart, then that is where love should be permanently engraved. Our every motivation should flow through a heart that has love engraved on it. And that would be the filter through which our every word, every action, and every reaction would pass. So let's look at this in practical terms. No matter whether you're married, divorced and remarried, a parent or a child, you have relationships. Sacrificial love can either be a part of that relationship or not. Solomon says that every word, action or reaction should flow through that sacrificial, I want more what is best for you than what is best for me kind of love that's free of all judgment, and that is what my spouse, my kids, my parents, my extended family, my neighbors, and my coworkers should see every time they look at me. Have you ever heard that phrase, he wears his heart on his sleeve? Well, sometimes that's not used in, in context, but here Solomon is saying, wear your heart on, on, on right here for all to see. Um, and on that heart is engraved love. I would like to give you some examples, and, and I, could, uh, I could certainly go back to that teaching of John's in 1 Corinthians 13, and we could talk about love being patient, which I don't like because I'm so impatient, uh, but love is patient, kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It has no pride. It's not self-seeking. It, it has no anger. It always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. But if we're honest with each other, you know, thinking about it in terms of uh, how we think of love being that filter that our every word, 
our every um, action and our every reaction has to go through, we can think of how love really is for us in our relationships. Now, I asked Sandy how she defines love. <laughs> she said, uh, just a London Fog from Starbucks, please. How about looking at what love is not? Well, here's a definition that I heard from a pastor many years ago. And he said, I want what I want when I want it. That's my definition for sin. And I will do whatever it takes, including every kind of manipulation to get it. Go back to that filter of love. It's impossible, it can't get through. So love is this, that you put aside what you want to meet the needs of others. I asked my uh, 13-year-old grandson today as uh, I was driving him home, uh, I said, so how do you define love? And he said, caring for others. <laughs> That's from a 13-year-old, um, caring for others. So when you read those chapters in Job that I suggest, you'll see a guy that does just that. Let's move on to faithfulness. Let's talk about faithfulness a little bit. Again, I went to the dictionary and it was, it was really funny to go through these, uh, the definitions of faithfulness because they always use the word faith in it, but I got to some points where there were some great words and these words describe faithfulness, steadfast, loyal, firm, true. And very quickly upon looking at those things, it became apparent that really those words would all be used to describe God. So a definition of faithfulness would be, I think, having the character of God. Um, when I was a teenager, I remember my dad saying, hey, there's one thing that you have uh, which you can keep for life, but you can very easily lose it. And if you lose it, it can be exceedingly difficult to get it back. Again, I asked my grandson today, so what do you think that is? And he said, trust. And I thought, once again, a 13-year-old. Um, my dad described it as your word. When we say that God is faithful, I wonder if we could agree that we mean that he will always do what he says he will do. God keeps his word. Solomon gave that message to his kids. Kids, keep your word. Solomon probably heard this from his dad. I, I was looking at Proverbs, or sorry, at Psalm uh, 119, uh, longest book uh, or chapter in the in the Bible with 176 verses. Uh, I was looking, you know, was David the author? It, it, there is no clear uh, mention of who the author of Psalm 119 is, but one of the things as I was reading, uh, I, I found that um, it suggested that David actually used Psalm 119 to teach Solomon, and he taught the alphabet to Solomon using Psalm 119, but he also taught him the ABCs of spiritual life. Do you know there's eight words used to describe God's word uh, within uh, Psalm 119. And those eight words actually appear 178 times in 176 verses. So do you think Solomon got it through his head, the importance of God's word and the importance of his 
the importance of Solomon's word. So, just like love, the importance of your word should be engraved on your heart and then be worn like a necklace for all to see. Imagine with me for a moment, uh, love, the kind of love that Jesus spoke about, the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated, a love that puts others first every time. Uh, Imagine with me about faithfulness, your word, the kind of word that God keeps, that is true, steadfast, and loyal. Your word that also puts others first every time. Now, that love and faithfulness engraved on your heart from which your every motive comes from, that kind of love and faithfulness that puts others first every time. That love and faithfulness is the filter by which your every word, your every action, and your every reaction must go through before spoken or acted on. Do you think you'd have a good reputation? Now imagine your marriage with that kind of love and faithfulness. Imagine your parenting, your relationships with other family members, with neighbors, friends, and coworkers. Now, imagine that kind of love and faithfulness evident in the church, in Grace Community Church. Do you think the church, including Grace Community, would have a good reputation? Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love and faithfulness, not my teaching, (laughs) it's Solomon's. Now, according to God, who we have to agree is faithful to his word, he said that Solomon would be the smartest guy ever. So, love and faithfulness told to us by Solomon and demonstrated in a real way by Jesus is a teaching worth putting into practice. Solomon said that it will help you to live a long, prosperous, peaceful life, and others will enjoy watching you live that way, including God. There are still three ideas that Solomon shares in these verses, uh, trust in the Lord, uh, trust in self, and how important are others really? Um, those, the first two ideas, just in case I haven't made it clear, be open to wise teaching and learn from it, apply it, see the results, and we'll be in a much better position to teach the next generation, and we'll all live a long, prosperous, peaceful life. Then love and faithfulness engraved on your heart and worn for all to see, making that filter through which our every word, our every action, our every reaction flows. The likely outcome, a good name in the sight of God and man.
Next time I'll get to that uh, trust in God and trust in self. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you keep your word. Thank you for your great love and faithfulness. Help us, Father, to be open to you to empower us to be loving and faithful in all things. Amen.